0: G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my great privilege to look with you for the last time at the book of Ephesians, second half of chapter six. Today, can I encourage you to please have a Bible open. We'll read through chapter six, verses 10 to 24. Think about what it means and how it applies to us. We'll also help you to use the outline that you should find on the service program that hopefully you've downloaded during the week. Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this book of Ephesians that we've been able to work uh, through together over these last couple of months. We thank you for the magnificent plan of salvation that we have seen there. We pray that uh, once again you'll help us to understand your word today and use it to equip us to stand firm to the very end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you think you'll make it to the end as a Christian? Do, do, do you think you will you'll be there at the last day, standing before God, forgiven and cleansed because of Jesus? Do, do you believe that God will welcome you into heaven? L- let me put it this way. Is there anything that could stop you? Is there anything that could make you give it up? Do you think there's any... Temptation that could cause you to fall away from the Lord Jesus? I was talking to a fellow minister a while ago. He'd been faithfully serving in his church for years. He had a wife, children, but then he, he, he chucked it all in for an adulterous affair, gave up his church, gave up his family, gave up his faith. Is there some temptation that you would give up Jesus for? Or maybe for you it's, it's, it's not a specific temptation, it's just the consistent, constant drag of the world, the, the, the pressure to succeed in work, the, the, the busyness of family, the constant battle to be successful and prosperous and to keep up with the North Shore Joneses. Do, do you think that, that that whole lifestyle could distract you to the point where you just forget about Jesus? Like the, uh, the, the thorny soil in Jesus' parable? Or do you reckon there could be some false teaching that would lead you astray? I know another bloke, a guy much smarter than me. He did his theological degree at the same place that I did. And then he went overseas because he was so smart. He, He went overseas to do a PhD in theology. And then through all his reading and his study, he came to the conclusion that you can't trust the Bible. He came to the conclusion that Jesus didn't really die for our sins and rise again. And so he gave up on his faith. Uh, At Bible college, they make you read all kinds of heresy and strange stuff. And and, and the fact is, some of it sounds plausible. Some of it is quite, quite convincing. Do you reckon you could be led astray? Is there some teaching that could cause you to, to give up on Jesus Or what about suffering? Do you think there's any kind of suffering that could cause you to give up? What what if your worst nightmare came true? Your child dies. You suffer a terrible, painful disease. Some awful thing like that or I remember watching the the very disturbing film Silence it, it's the uh, it's the story of a missionary in Japan the Japanese authorities were uh, persecuting the church at the time and uh, they wanted to to stop this this priest this missionary and and so what they do that the persecutors they, they 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 take members of the congregation Japanese Christians and they torture them in the most terrible, terrible way. Torture and murder them. Uh, They take the members of the missionaries' church, they torture the congregation members, and they say to the priest, we're going to keep torturing these people until you deny Jesus. Unbelievable cruelty and just irresistible pressure. I mean... How could you keep going in the face of suffering like that? What do you think? Do you think you can make it to the end? Do you think you can resist all the temptations? Do you think you can withstand all the false teaching? Do you think you can stand up under suffering and persecution? It's not going to be easy. So what do you reckon? Do you reckon you can do it? Well, today we come to the last section of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And what he's doing here, he's encouraging them to make it to the end. He wants them to be found at the last day, standing firm. And so Paul, he calls on the Ephesians here in this section. He calls on the Ephesians to be strong. But notice this. Notice this, because this is critical. He doesn't want them to be strong in their own strength. He wants them to be strong in God's strength. He doesn't doesn't want them to put on armor of steel. No, no, he says he wants them to put on God's armor. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armour of God. Paul calls on the Ephesians to be strong with God's strength, to be protected with God's armour, because, he says, they're in a battle that they cannot win in their own strength. They are in a battle with powers that are way beyond their experience or control. They are caught up In a cosmic battle, a battle that involves the devil, a battle that involves all sorts of other evil forces in the heavenly realm. Still in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, not just people, but Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Ephesians are in a cosmic battle with forces way beyond their control. And Paul says a day could be coming. The day of evil, he calls it. Commentator Peter O'Brien describes this day of evil in this way. The singular evil day points to specific times of satanic attack that come with extraordinary force and when the temptation to yield is particularly strong. Satanic attack that comes with extraordinary force where the temptation to yield is particularly strong. Do you get the idea? I mean, we live in evil days, plural. We saw that a couple of weeks ago, chapter five, verse 16. It was, Paul says, um, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in an evil age. We live in a world that opposes Jesus. We live in a world that is under the influence of Satan. But we don't just live in evil days. It may well be that you or I will have to face An evil day, singular. A time when the devil will attack us with, with all guns blazing. Maybe he will use an irresistible temptation. Maybe he will use an incredibly convincing false teaching. Maybe he will use enormous suffering or persecution. We don't know that it will happen. We don't know when it might happen, we don't know how it will happen. But the big question is this. The big question is this. Will we stand? Will we stand on that evil day? And so Paul says it again. The only way to stand, the only way to get through the evil day, the only way to make it to the end, it's to put on God's armour. Verse thirteen. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And Paul now goes on to describe this armor in, in detail. And you'll notice you'll notice it, it's all about the gospel. It's all concepts that Paul has already used to describe the gospel. First, there's uh, the truth of the gospel. Paul talked about it back in chapter one and verse thirteen. He said, "You were," he said to the Ephesians, "you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel." Uh, well, now Paul says that truth. It, it's like it's like the belt of your armor, verse fourteen. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Uh, Paul also talks about righteousness. Back in chapter 4, Paul talked about how through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we've been given a new self, a new self that he says is created to be like God in true righteousness. Well, now Paul says that that righteousness, it's like a breastplate. Verse 14 again, the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Paul also talks about the, the gospel of peace. Back in chapter 2, he said that Jesus gives us peace with God and peace with each other. Now he says that gospel of peace, it, uh, it, can, uh, it can ready our feet. It can, it can enable us to, to speak the truth in love so that we can play our part in God's plan to unite everything under Jesus. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul also talks about faith. He also talks about salvation. He's already said back in chapter 2 that it's by grace we've been saved. We have salvation through faith. When we rely on Jesus, when we have faith in Jesus, we are saved from God's anger. We are saved from the kingdom of Satan and brought into the kingdom of Jesus. And Paul says that faith, it is, he now says in this image of the armor, he says that, that faith is like a shield. And and, and salvation is like a helmet. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. And then finally, Paul talks about the word of God, against the word of the gospel, the word of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in this spiritual war is our only effective weapon. Verse 17, again, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see what Paul's saying here with this metaphor of armour? We need to clothe ourselves with the gospel. Pastor Bryson Smith puts it this way. He says this, The armour of God is a picture of the gospel. All the pieces of armour mentioned are references to different aspects of the gospel. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, spirit. They are all different perspectives of the good news that Christ died for our sins on the cross. So, when Paul says to put on the full armor of God, he's telling us to stand firm in the gospel. Don't desert the gospel. Don't wander away from Jesus. Surround yourself surround yourself in what Jesus has done for you. In other words, in other words, it is the gospel that defeats the devil. In this battle, Paul doesn't just call on them to put on armor. He also calls on the Ephesians to pray. To to talk to God, to ask God to help them, to ask God to to help each other, to ask God to help Paul himself as he is in jail for telling people about Jesus. Now, you notice here that Paul, he asks the Ephesians to pray in the spirit. What does that mean, pray in the spirit? Well, let's think about it in context again. Back in chapter one, uh, Paul said that when the Ephesians believed the message of Christ, God gave them his Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing their inheritance and in chapter 2 he said that they have access to God by one spirit God lives in them by his spirit he's also prayed for them that by God's spirit they would know deeply who Jesus is and what he's done and then in chapter 5 he says they should be filled with the spirit so that they speak to God and to each other about Jesus so what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Well, you look in the flow of the context. It means to pray as a spirit-filled Christian, as a a Jesus-believing Christian. It means you pray to God as your Father. Through the Spirit, we have access to God as Father. It means you pray in the name of Jesus who died and rose again to give you God's spirit and give you access to God. It means you pray in a way that you know is only made possible because the Holy Spirit is in you and has united you to Christ and given you access to God as your father. Paul calls on the Ephesians to pray as christians in the light of the gospel and he says he wants them to pray alert and watchful realizing that they're in this cosmic battle realizing that that only god can help them to stand when the evil day comes verse 18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and I always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. As we come to the end of the letter, Paul, uh, he commends his friend Tychicus. Tychicus was probably the guy who delivered the letter to the Ephesians, verse 21 Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. And then Paul finishes the letter with a prayer for the Ephesians. I mean, he's just, uh, he's just asked them to pray for him. Now he concludes by praying for them. And he prays that they'll have peace and love with faith. Uh, prays they'll have grace Again, he's asking that the benefits of the gospel of Jesus will be theirs. Verse 23. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Okay. Well done. You've made it to the end of the book of Ephesians. Can you see what's here in this final passage? The Ephesians are in a cosmic battle with with forces way beyond their understanding, let alone their control. And an evil day could be coming, a day when the devil and his forces attack them with extraordinary, irresistible force. And so they need to be strong, not in their own strength. No, no. They need to put on the armour of God. They need to trust Jesus. They need to hold firmly to the gospel. And they need to pray for themselves, for each other, And for Paul, that's the only way they can stand firm to the end, by being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. All right. Let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. And today today I thought we'd try something we haven't done for quite a while. I thought we could... uh, try some kinesthetic learning using action so i know this is really helpful for some people and if you're a literary person i'll even add in a little bit of alliteration for you so question is this how can we stand when the evil day comes that's the question this passage raises for us isn't it how can we stand when the evil day comes and what's the answer from the passage what's the answer are you ready How can we stand when the evil day comes? Hands out. kinesthetic learning. How can we stand when the, day, when the evil day comes? Perceive the enemy. Put on the gospel. Pray. Did, did you get that? You want to try it one more time with me? Say it and, uh, and do it with me if you can. You ready? How can we stand when the evil day comes? Perceive the enemy, put on the gospel, and pray. All right. Let's, uh, let's think a little bit more about these three things that we need to do to help us stand firm in the evil day. First, uh, perceive the enemy. Perceive the enemy. when we're facing that irresistible temptation, when we're hearing that convincing false teaching, or, or, or when, we're, when we're suffering or being persecuted beyond our endurance or courage, when we, when we face that evil day, we need to understand, we need, we need to perceive what exactly is going on. It's not just a human thing. There are evil forces in the heavenly realms, the devil, rulers, authorities, powers. There are spiritual forces arrayed against us. They are using temptation to appeal to our sinful desires. They are using false teaching to trick us. They are using persecution and suffering to weaken our resolve. Our enemy is not just flesh and blood. Our enemy is not just people. C.S. Lewis, in his book Screwtape Letters, says this. There are two equal but opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Now, we don't want to have an unhealthy interest in the devil. He's a defeated foe. We don't want to start seeing the devil in every new pair of shoes that's too expensive that we're tempted to buy we we don't need to head into david jones and start doing exorcisms or anything like that That whole that whole concept of spiritual warfare where you're rebuking demons and all that kind of stuff it 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 just it it fails to understand the victory of jesus it fails to understand that we already have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms but friends i don't think that's the error that most of us fall into Do you I suspect we can fall into the other error. We, we, we disbelieve in the existence of the devil and other spiritual forces of evil. I mean, we might know in our minds that they exist, we might read in our Bibles that they exist, but, but in practice, in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we live, we, we act and live and think as, as if there's no such thing as a devil or, or, or these spiritual forces. And friends, if that's what we think, we're wrong. There is a devil. There are evil spiritual forces and they may well bring us to an evil day. And so it is vital that we perceive the enemy. Why? Fundamentally, so that we don't deceive ourselves into thinking that we can handle it on our own. If you think of temptation just humanly as if it's, some attractive sin, well then you might think that you can overcome it with your willpower. If you think of persecution as just people being mean to you, or suffering as just bad luck in a fallen world, well, you, you might think that you can overcome it by your courage. If you think of false teaching is just some human disagreement over doctrine, you, you might think that you, you can overcome it by your intelligence. But if you perceive the real enemy, well, then you'll realise how helpless you actually are. You'll realise you can't win in your own strength. You're not going to resist in your own strength. If you perceive the true enemy, you'll realise that you need to be strong with God's strength, that you need to put on God's armour. realise that you need to move on to points, application points two and three. Which brings us to application point number two. How can we stand when the evil day comes? Point one, perceive the enemy. And now point number two, do you remember? Put on the gospel. Put on the gospel. We, we can't defeat the enemy ourselves, friends. Uh, the devil and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, they're too strong for us. The, the, the world is too strong for us. Our own sinful desires are too strong for us. We can't win in our own strength. But friends, Jesus has defeated the enemy. In Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing in those heavenly realms. In Jesus, we are, do you remember, chosen before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in God's sight. Uh, Through the blood of Jesus, we are redeemed and forgiven when we hear the message of truth and believe we are gifted with god's holy spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance as a guarantee that when everything is brought under the lordship of jesus we will be there in his kingdom in jesus we have truth as a belt truth to remember when we face the lies of the devil in Jesus, we have righteousness as a breastplate. We have the gospel of peace to guide our feet. We have faith as a shield against the devil's accusations. In Jesus, we have salvation as a helmet. In the message of Jesus, we have the sword of God's Holy Spirit. So friends, friends, we need to put on the gospel. What does that mean? It means day by day we preach the gospel to ourselves. Day by day, we we, we take ourselves through it, and especially, especially in the face of temptation or, or or suffering or false teaching, we need to tell ourselves the gospel. I am a sinner. I can't save myself. But Jesus lived and died and rose again for me. Jesus loves me. Jesus forgives me. Jesus saves me. Jesus is holding on to me. So I'm going to rely on him. And then with his help, I'll press on through another evil day. Friends, in the gospel, God has given us what we need to stand firm on that evil day. And so every day, every day, we need to put on the gospel. Well, that brings us to application point number three. Uh, Say it with me if you like. How can we stand when the evil day comes? Point one. Do you remember? Perceive the enemy. Point two. Do you remember? Put on the gospel. And point three, pray. Pray. It, it's what Paul himself has done over and over again through this letter of Ephesians, isn't it? I mean, chapter one, chapter one. He tells the Ephesians God's glorious, magnificent plan of salvation. And, and then what does he do? He prays for them. Do you remember? He prays that God will work deep in their hearts so that they know the glorious hope that they have in Jesus, so that they know how much God treasures them through the Lord Jesus, Uh, and so they know that God has the power that they need to bring them through to the end. Paul doesn't just say the gospel to them. He prays the gospel for them. Chapter 3, the same thing. Through chapter 2, Paul has told them how God has brought them from death to life, how he's brought them from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of Jesus. He, he, he told them how how they've, they've gone from being enemies and strangers and aliens, no place with God no place with God's people all the way through to being God's family his temple his household all as a free gift through Jesus and then what does he do he doesn't just say the gospel to them he prays the gospel for them do you remember he prays that Jesus will dwell in their hearts through faith that they will know for sure that Jesus is real and that he's theirs and and he prays that 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 they'll be able to grasp more and more the extraordinary incomprehensible magnificent enormity of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ He doesn't just say it for them, he prays it for them. What's Paul been praying? He's been praying that they'll put on the gospel, not just in their minds. He's been praying that the gospel will penetrate their hearts. And friends, as we as we face the evil day, we need to do the same. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for those who serve us in our church or on the mission field. We need to pray Paul's prayers for the Ephesians. Learn these prayers from Ephesians. They're magnificent. Learn them and pray them for yourself, for people. For, uh, pray, that, pray that we'll be gripped by the gospel. Pray that we'll be transformed by the gospel. Pray that when that evil day comes, Jesus will sustain us so we can stand. If we'll pray in the spirit, God will give us what we need. That, that's his promise. It's, we've already seen our inheritance is guaranteed by his Holy Spirit. Friends, an evil day is coming. Maybe for you, you've already seen plenty of them. Maybe it's already come. We can't make it to the end on our own. But in Jesus, we have what we need. So, one more time. You ready? One more time. How can we stand when the evil day comes? Perceive the enemy. Put on the gospel. And pray. Let's pray now. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have everything we need to stand everything that we need to take our place in his eternal kingdom. Thank you that through Jesus you have rescued us from sin and death and the devil. And thank you that you are bringing us through this life into eternity. Will you please help us day by day to understand the battle that we are in and to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Help us day by day to put on the gospel, to to, to trust Jesus in you and help us to pray for ourselves, for each other, for those who are on the front line of of the gospel mission work. We pray that you will, by your Spirit, hold on to us to the very end. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.